0: Rolling Renegades
1: Andre and I had this big idea Why isn't this a CE? CE by podcast
0: Mind-blowing
1: People don't even know people like her exist Renegades
0: I had to have the people who didn't believe in me Between one day and the next, everything changed. Somebody found you. Thank God they found you. Shining a light on those people.
2: And by the way, you're going to be inspired.
0: You can't contain this, Sybil. You can't contain it.
2: Nurses know how to solve shit. Nailed it.
0: (laughs) Renegades. Welcome to the Renegade Podcast. A revolutionary approach to continuing education for nurses by nurses who are shining a light on the innovators, the creatives, the renegades who are blowing up the boxes that the rest of the world is still trying to think outside of. On today's podcast, we have Leanne Saffer. Now the official bio has her as a mom, wife, fitness instructor, hairstylist, and jack of some trades. She has lived a few people's lifetimes in the last few years and believes that optimism Has kept her afloat. She's stubborn, short, witty, fearless, a terrible sleeper, can cook a wicked chili, and will do anything to make you smile. And she's also an author who wrote a book, Please Don't Send Me Flowers. Now, she was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 33, was told by her doctors and her healthcare team what she was going to do and that she was going to be fine. Little did she know that their definition of fine was worlds apart from how a young spin instructor, social media influencer in the prime of her career would define fine. By the end of this podcast, Antra and I were both changed as professionals and humans. And define their fine has now become one of our mantras. And I know that any nurse listening to this will be changed by it too. If you're a nurse, by the way, listening to this and you want a CE credit for it, you can head over to rnegade.pro afterward. That's r n e g a d e. dot pro. Sign up and get a CE.
1: After the podcast is done and we tearfully say goodbye to you, we stay on and talk about you behind your back and actually whatever okay. background and credential to kind of give a synopsis of what we talked about. And because this is for nurses to get CES if they want, you know, anybody can listen to this, but. We kind of give them a rough draft of what we think the objectives might be, things they might want to pay attention to, and you know, any credentials, anything about you that that we that didn't come out naturally? Um, I feel like I've always
3: been a little bit like cynical and like, is that necessary? But after having gone through treatment and seeing what I went through and being told there was only one way and realizing now that there were like a hundred different ways I could have tackled that, Um, I question
2: everything,
3: everything. Um, and I know that's annoying to some people, but I also now hold a new perspective that a lot of people don't hold. And that actually gets more frustrating for me than anything, because I'm like, you're not going to understand my lived experience. Whereas like, I'm not going to understand yours, but I do need you to respect it and respect why I'm questioning these things. Um, because I don't think that there's always just one way.
2: So tell us, um, can you tell us about that experience? So I was diagnosed with
3: breast cancer when I was barely 33, just a baby. It was stage and two. And for those of
1: you at home who aren't seeing this on video, she looks like she's 23 now. So we're <laughs> already feeling light. insecure, but continue, please. <laughs> it's
3: a ring light. It's um, a Botox. Um, yeah. So it was, it was pretty aggressive. It was happening really, really fast. It was growing really quickly. Um, but I was kind of thrown into this thing of like, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go through a year of treatment. You're going to get your tits chopped off, like, and then you're going to be fine. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I guess if I'm going to be fine at the end, like, that's what I'm going to do. But because of how they worded it and, um, how it was presented to me, I literally thought I was going to die in two months. If I didn't treat it the way that they told me to treat it, I didn't know that I had time to like Sit back and explore other options, or that there even were other options.
2: Right. It's that urgency train. I've been on it. Oh my gosh. It's the worst train ever.
3: Well, it's such a mindfuck because also, like, you're 33, and you lucky me, I hadn't really known a lot of people that had dealt with cancer. I don't think I knew anyone that had dealt with cancer like head on. It's like, oh yeah, my grandma or whatever. So I'm like, fuck, um, this is what I have to do. I didn't have any examples. I didn't know of any young women that had been through anything similar. So I'm like, here I am thinking that I have to blaze this trail for everybody when like it's been blazed already in so many different directions, right? Yeah, yeah. So and you didn't,
1: you found that retrospectively?
3: Yes, yeah, 100%. Um, I I, so- Back up a little bit. I went through a year of treatment. I had six months of like the hard chemo and then an additional six months of like immunotherapies. And um I think I realized towards the end when I was starting to question science and really looking into studies in other countries, like, oh, why is it that this woman in Europe was treated with this same regimen, but she only had to have six rounds and I have to have 17. Um, and you know, you see the bills come in and like, well, is this about money? Like what the fuck is going on here? And that's when I really started to question because I'm like, I don't feel like I'm getting the whole truth here because yeah, we're all different, but there's no reason that I need to be poisoned for 17 rounds. And this bitch only had six. So, um, that's when, and that's when I started like speaking up a lot about it a little bit more and just kind of going head to head with my doctors and my nurses, like guys, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Like, here's this paper that I printed off. Tell me how this makes sense. Um, and some of them didn't want to talk about it and others were like, you're right. So that's what I just found so interesting. I was like, Oh my God, I could have been looking at all these other different ways to approach this situ- situation the whole time. Um, I think I would have felt more comfortable if I had a better dialogue with the people that were treating me.
2: So because tell me I- what that would look like now like how, because so, I think it's important for nurses who are listening to this, you know, especially taking care of pa- patients with cancer, young patients with cancer and ones that are questioning. What does yeah, that look like?
1: That's important but, for anyone. Listening anyone. To but I think yeah.
2: um,
3: my experience with most of my nurses was that they knew everything. Um, and it wasn't that I thought they knew everything. It was that they thought they knew everything and that this is just the way it had to go. And I could have used a little bit more open-mindedness and I'm not sure if that's like a liability to them. Um, But it didn't, I felt very talked down to, I didn't feel like it was an equal conversation, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. it would have been really nice to be like, I've never seen that study. Let me read it instead of like, no, this is how we do it here. You know, i had to fire one oncologist and go to the next. And she didn't really agree with me until I was 16 rounds in and finally let me off the hook. She was like, you're right. We have been overtreating you. You're probably fine. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, give me the last four months of my life back and yes. all of that money. And I feel like shit for no reason. Right. So I I would have appreciated just like them humbling down a little bit and being like, you know what? I don't know. This science is changing all the time, and countries are doing studies that we're not doing. So, yeah, let's look at those together and make the best decision for you.
1: Yeah. I've fangirled your Instagram and, you know, went <laughs> went back. What's the Instagram? By the way, you usually do this at the end, but so. We am suffer. Yeah. So, while you're listening to this, you can look. Um, yeah. And went back before it happened. And mm-hmm. you always. Uh, I know it's only a picture, but it seemed to have this, uh, you know, like this unfathomable energy, you know, that kind of comes through despite that there was a time where you were beholden to the system thinking they know better than you just go with what they say, because I'm 33 vulnerable. I'm on the urgency train and I want to live and just do what they say. Yeah. What was there something that happened when the buildup of all this evidence that, your, you know, your instincts and your intuition is nagging and nagging and nagging at you. And there's like this fight between you and what the world says you ought to do. And at one point, you won. It, it was 16 rounds in or maybe even before that when you started, you know, but what do you remember the time when everything looked different from one moment to the next? And you're like, no, but maybe like you wake up in the morning, like, I know what I'm going to do, or I know I'm right and they're wrong. Do you remember yeah. a moment
3: like that? I don't remember a specific moment, but I do like have this. I, I always trust my gut. I always trust my gut. And from the beginning of my diagnosis, I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Um, but I'm like, does it not feel right? Because I got cancer. Cause that like never feels right. Yeah. Um, or does it not feel right? Because this isn't the right route for me. I, I wasn't able to differentiate because of there was so much fear. So I don't really remember a specific moment, but I do remember being really fed up because I felt like, you know, if you can picture yourself just laying there pretty helpless and everyone's like hovering over you, shoving shit down your throat. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I want to live my life here. I want to decide how this goes. And this doesn't feel right to me. Um, It even came through like when my wife was like trying to give me wheatgrass shots. And I'm like, I'm literally throwing them up. <laughs> I don't think this is what's going to cure my cancer. I wish it was, and if it is, like that's great. But I'm growing them up, so it's not. <laughs> you're,
1: you're um, better off doing this in an enema. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: totally. Um, but I was just like, I I need to make a decision for myself here, and whether it's the right decision or the wrong decision, I don't know. But morally, it will be the right decision, right?
2: Mm. And so did you feel like that towards the end when you started to see more about what was going on in the world? Did you start to say, I mean, you did say you talked to your doctor and you're like, look, I think I've had enough chemo. I mean, does that, has that carried on? I mean, how what does that look like now?
3: Yeah, totally. It's funny. Cause like I started pushing her around month six and she fucking hated me, but I'm like, why, 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 why? Like, here's this, here's this, here's this. And you know, when it, when I finally got that validation that like, you know what? You probably only did need six months, eight months. I was like. I don't trust anybody. Like, I'm on my own, which isn't the best mentality, but like, it's served me pretty well because it just goes with that like inner knowing and the trust in your gut. So, yeah, moving forward, like, I have not felt right for three years. And I know that right is different than what it was previous to cancer because I'm three years older. Yes. But I'm like, something still isn't right. And I have been fighting my ass off, like, trying to get the right answers not taking pills as an answer, you know, like, I don't want to live that life. It it goes with like, you know, they want me to take tamoxifen for 20 years. And I'm like, fuck that. Like, (laughs) no, no, I, I tried it. I gave, I like, I did my due diligence. I read the studies and I'm like, this makes absolutely no fucking sense to me or for me. Um, and I, I still get shit for that from every oh, doctor I see, but
2: that's fascinating. Cause I, I know a couple of women with, who've had breast cancer, who've come to me as an advocate and said, well, why do I have to be on this medication for 20 years? And the same thing, like, no, I'm not doing this. It makes no sense. I mean, I love that, that, that sense, you know, called to you and said, uh-uh, not doing yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it
3: literally makes no sense. Um, it's quality of life, but I'm like, when you when you really look at the study, the way that it's written and the way that it's supposed to be interpreted, I'm like, cool. So it's like a percent of the percent that it saves me? Uh-uh, I don't think so. Like, It's like, the, it's like <laughs> an anger
1: man with the, what's a clone sex panther? He says yeah. something like 30% of the time, it works 100% of the time. <laughs> yeah, totally.
3: I'm like, <laughs> it, so it reduces your risk like 30%. And when your risk is, twenty, I, I don't know. I'm like, that's a, a 2%. Greater chanting. I don't think so, because I felt like absolute shit, and it breaks my heart. You know, I have so many women that I'm in contact now that have like been through this, or they're going through this, and they're like, oh, tamoxifen life. Only five more years." I'm like, "You don't have to do that. Like, right. you get to decide." And I don't think that people know that. Like, well, my doctor said. I'm like, mm-hmm. what did you say though? Like, <laughs> you don't mm-hmm. have to be stupid about it. You don't have to be rash, but you get you get to call it shots here.
2: People don't know that they can, that they have to own their healthcare. And I used to talk about like engaging in your care, you know, asking questions, advocating for yourself, but I think it's so much more than that. I think you have to own it. And if you own it, then you can walk in there with your studies and, you know, not take no for an answer, right? I'm not doing tamoxifen, but that's a really interesting, you know, when you look at our country and how sick people are, like, what does that mean to own your healthcare? What does that mean to take responsibility fully for the fact that you have breast cancer? or ovarian cancer in my case, right? Like, and I think it's hard because you get sucked into the whole system, the, the money, the pharma, the, this is business. This is, this is the only thing to do. Like, it's just mind boggling, right?
3: Yeah. So so what
2: does that mean for you? Like, what, what would you say to somebody? Like, how does somebody own their healthcare?
3: (laughs) That's a loaded question. Um, I don't have a lot of trust in healthcare anymore. And that's unfortunate. No offense to nurses. Cause I think you're amazing,
1: but, uh, um, that's why, well, yeah, it's not a blanket statement. That's why we do things like yeah. this just to, yeah. to shine yeah. a light on people like you and people who are thinking differently. So we can start to change things.
3: Yeah. I think that, you know, where people get scared and they just stay in the system is, uh, money because owning your health care can be really fucking expensive. Yeah. Um, with or without insurance, you know, like, Mm -hmm. And that's been my roadblock is like, okay, I know that $1,500 a month out of pocket is going to my health until I feel better. I know that. And that's a lot of money and it sucks for my family. It's a strain on us. Um, but a lot of the relief that I've found hasn't been covered by insurance.
2: Um,
3: I don't, I barely use my insurance. Like they don't cover anything. So for me, it's like pursuing, what I know to be true and what I want to put in my body. Cause I'm like all natural, everything. Um, but it costs, it costs a lot of money. So you got to pay for yeah. that shit.
2: Yeah. So you don't have a lot of options as a patient, if you don't have extra money, I mean, no, you your don't. only option is chemo and surgery and whatever. Yeah. Um, which is and so you- sad
3: you do have to have like people in your life that support that too. Like a lot of people don't understand why we live our life the way that we live it. But I have a wife that's in acupuncture and she's like all the natural, whatever you need. Like, I just want you to feel good. But had I been in my previous marriage, he would have been like, no, just go to the doctor. We're not paying for that. So you get totally fucked if you're, if you a can't afford it, or B don't have the support of whoever Mm -hmm. your people are. Right.
1: Do you find, cause I've, I've, you know, kind of, We've been watching Antra's I hate the healthcare journey. journey. <laughs> the journey. Yeah, you know, like the journey. But uh oh,
3: fuck her the process.
1: Journey. Right. Um
2: let's think of a new
3: word for that, please.
2: <laughs> oh my God. I know my my let's nurse called something <laughs> that's,
3: my nurse called it a trudge and I was like, that feels good. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. So like we're still searching
1: for a word. I know, I know. It's it's been now this I'm gonna it might sound a little bit nebulous where I'm gonna take this for a second, but I've seen it over and over with Entree, with myself. And it it seems pretty true. Um, but once like, there's a difference between being afraid, you have a new diagnosis, there's uncertainty, there's fear, the unknown, and you have to, you know, you want to trust your doctor because you actually want that fear and uncertainty and noise in your head about what ifs and what's going to happen to me. And will my family be okay, you want something to, shh, so you want so bad to be able to trust somebody. And then Doubt is induced because you see they don't know what they're talking about necessarily, or they only know fifty percent of what's available. So now there's fear, uncertainty, and you're flapping around the water. But what I've seen with Antra is there was always fear and uncertainty, but it came with instead of uh, it came with relief and freedom. I'm I'm afraid, but nobody's coming to save me you know, because I could put my faith and trust into this conventional doctor or this energy medicine person or this naturopathic thing like that. But none of them are 100% either. The only thing that I can rely on 100% is this thing inside me that's kind of saying this direction, this direction. And the more I've seen Antra let go of her doubt about the thing in her that's guiding her, it's like so amazing that the universe keeps sending her breadcrumbs like weird signs or somebody, this uh, energy medicine person or the, the um, accurate, you know, the Chinese, like all these things for her to explore and just fell in her lap when she embraced nobody's coming yeah, and, and started more and more listening to that thing. And so when you said, I'm going to bring it on home. When you said it's so freaking expensive uh, and it's so, so confusing and mind boggling. But what I've found is when you, when you, ter- when you look in here, the more you trust this thing, those things seem to like how to navigate those things seem to get caught up in the wake of something else moving you forward. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. 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 Tell I, us
1: about it. Do you have any examples of that happening for you once you like, yeah, if you, you guys don't know what you're talking about, I'm going to run myself. Did you see more and more the universe, <laughs> like the world playing with you and encouraging you on?
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it all started when they like I was diagnosed and they're like, this is what you're going to do. And you're going to be fine. And then I realized like everyone's definition of fine is different, right? Like, sure. Now I'm living. So if that's fine, then fine, but I don't feel good. So, um, that to me, like looking back, I'm like, that's false hope. I don't trust you. Like, I'm not fine. Nothing about this situation. is fine. I'm just alive. Right. Um,
1: wow. But wow. That's really, (laughs) that's really obvious. Yeah. Yeah. But not everyone, um, but not since you just said it, the def, what's yeah. your definition of fine. Right. Right. In that totally.
3: Tone. Yeah. Oh, no, it, I'm that just is, like, don't
2: say that to people. Like, you don't know, you don't know, like, no, it's totally true. Different. They, and, and what they say in terms of your quality of life, like, you know, for me, oh, well, we might have to give you a permanent colostomy. Um, well, no, you don't. And you won't because you're not the one that's going to deal with it. And you're not the one that's going to have to live with it. So I do not consent to that procedure, right? Like, Oh, it's so crazy.
1: But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So continue. So when you first (laughs) got diagnosed,
3: well, um, anyway, at the end of like my treatment, when I had realized that I they don't always know, and I can't always trust them. And I have to trust kind of my inner knowing. Um, I was having a lot of like, weight gain, exhaustion, like this and this and this. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be feeling better. Somehow I felt better when I was going through chemo. Like, um, and so they ran my labs and they're like, you're fine, blah, blah, blah. And I went to the naturopath for the first time and she's like, you have Hashimoto's. And I'm like, okay, like that makes a lot of sense. And then from there, like just realizing that like I knew something was wrong, I kept pursuing it. And like, Mm -hmm. here I am three years later, like that part's in remission, but something else still isn't right. But it's all of these alternative therapies that, you know, like I discovered or somebody's told me about or whatever, um, that have made such a huge difference because my, my oncologist still won't acknowledge that that even happened.
1: So, well, Hashimoto's. Yeah.
2: Well, and what did did the, so tell us about the, the breast implant infection. Like it was that, did that lead up to yeah so I mean, that was I mean other... you just the hits just keep coming girl <laughs> I know well you know it's like one of those things they're like yeah we're gonna chop
3: off your boobs and then we'll just like put these little balloons in there and you'll be fine you'll feel great you'll look great and I'm like okay I didn't really think about it I had had implants prior to getting sick and they were very small but it was just enough to like fill out my bra and um So I didn't really think anything of it, but what they don't tell you, and this is plastic surgery related, any plastic surgery nurses listen up, um, is when you're putting a breast implant under just straight skin and not any fat or anything, those things look fucking huge and they don't move. They don't squish in your bra. So they're always just like sitting there like little coconut bra all the time. So, you know, I wake up from my first reconstruction and I'm like, I'm choking. These things are double D's. I'm like five foot two. Doesn't make sense. But that's when my health started declining more was after I got my implants in um, and then went on to like get smaller implants and that didn't fix the problem and then got them removed um, two months ago. And I feel so much better. I was having extreme joint pain, um, inflammation, stomach issues, rashes on my chest. It was like the joint pain was the worst. Cause I just, it would wake me up at night. My knees were throbbing my hands I couldn't even do my job. Like my hands were throbbing and that my joint pain is 100% gone. But again, like when I bring this up to my plastic surgeon, she was like, okay, like I don't, there's not a lot of evidence on this. I'm like, we are the evidence. <laughs> I am the evidence right here. Like, <laughs> right. You know, don't you dare go to the next patient and say, we don't have any evidence, like have them call me. I, and not that it happens to everybody, but it was just trusting that I knew that something wasn't right.
2: Well, I think a lot of people are starting to see, right, that the their autoimmune issues and their joint ache, you know, their joints aching and all this is maybe related to that. So it'll be very interesting to see what plastics does now in the future because I think it is getting more and more common. It's getting out there. People are educating, you know, patients are educating right. the public. I mean, you are yeah.
3: Well, and I'm like, great if they if your implants feel good in your body, that's fantastic. But just know that they might not. Um, mm-hmm. What what bothers me is that people fight you on it, and I'm like, what is the point of that? I, I think about you know when you get a sliver and your body tries to push it out. Like, why wouldn't your body reject a plastic silicone ball in your chest? That makes so
1: much sense to me, especially so. after all that chemo, you know, uh, and your immune system is still coming back you know, and everything like that. So it's just like a kid who gets like kids get sick from little things because their immune systems are still getting trained. And, you know, so they react very primitively. And I imagine now this is, this is my hypothesis. I don't have the evidence to back it up, but I, (laughs) you know, anecdotally, I've seen it in a lot of people that after they finish going through chemo, they get huge reactions, like, you know, overreactions to things because their immune system is learning again, like a child's immune system to kick in. So it makes sense to me. And this is my instinct. I'd like to hear what what you think it was that like a splinter is going to be overreacted to, you know, in, in some, in some people, and at least listen to the patient who's saying my instincts are telling me that this might be going on.
3: Yeah. Well, and I'm like, there was the evidence of like, I never had autoimmune. Why would I like, why would I all of a sudden have autoimmune? That made so much sense to me. Cause I'm like, I don't think. And maybe chemo gives you autoimmune, but it made, it made so much sense putting this foreign thing in my body when it was totally run down, that that would trigger something. Um, because I'm like, there's no reason I should have this. This doesn't, this isn't mine.
2: I wonder if there's, if, have you looked to see if there's any research about cancer and implants after and how well patients do? Um, I, I'd be curious, you know, yeah. because it's, it's so, it's getting so common. Yeah. I wonder. I mean, I-
3: I've just like read a lot of stuff about how common autoimmune is with implants, mm-hmm. especially like Hashimoto's and sibo like been dealing with sibo i finally it's gone. I had it for like a year straight, and that was horrible pain, mm-hmm. um horrible pain so and that's connected to breast implants as well and Hashimoto's
2: so I wonder like you know just from your experience, you know for nurses listening to this, you know there's this hierarchy in medicine and You know, nurses are, I think, I think we're well um, posed to start to speak up more, start to advocate harder for our patients when they come to us and say, Hey, there's this study, you know, like you said, being more humble, taking a look at it. So tell us like, give, give nurses advice on like what that would look like. like for like, like if you came, if you, if you were the patient, and what would you, what would be the ideal response from a nurse if you handed them a study and said, Hey, I'm wondering about this.
3: I mean, the ideal response would be like, I actually don't know a lot about this, but I'm really curious to learn more. Like, can I hang on to this and read over it and go over it with your doctor?
2: Do you think that there, because we can, we can take that stuff to the doctor's.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But also, I think it also has to come from someplace deeper, like for nurses to hear that and just pair it back to a patient, you know, like, yeah, yeah. well, let me, I, you know, I don't know much about this. You have to really understand that you don't know everything for any medical professional, for nurses and doctors. And maybe, maybe there's some that'll never feel that way, but I mean, I I was uh, 2011 and I went through the same program. And I often say it was like, it was about functional integrative medicine, systems, biology, epigenetics, nutrigenomics, alternative therapies. You know, when I was going through this patient advocacy training program, learned all of these different modalities. And I often say it was like going in to thinking the world was flat and someone showing me a satellite picture for eight days and turning it all around and ever, you know, whatever. And that changed me because the more I learned the more I learned, I had to learn, and the dumber I felt. and yeah, well, I don't know who I would have been in your situation as your mm-hmm. nurse before that. Yeah. so I would like uh, just to take the moment to say, you know your response to what just said, it's like something deeper, I encourage nurses to get curious, right? I'm trying to like just yeah. ask the question, yeah. What do you know that you don't know?
2: Yeah. Well, well and, and, and listening to the patient, right? Mm-hmm. Like even if, even if they don't take it to the doctor listening and, and like you said, being humble, that's deeper.
3: Well, there's like an amount of trust that I think needs to be formed to like, just show your hum humanness. Like if it were you, would you want somebody to like think twice about it? Probably. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get a lot of that. I got a lot of just like, yeah, no, this is how we do it. Like, um, I didn't get a lot of like wow. I never thought about this or if I was in this position I would I'd be curious too, you know.
1: Can you imagine how scary that would be? I just think it's yeah. so go ahead. Well, I'm just um I think that's what's preventing a lot of change. Because if our patients know more than we do. Mm. What does that mean who am I? You know, like I mean, we, Antra and I have both dealt with, you know, a, a lot of clients. Uh, Antra has a client. Can I say this generic, generically enough, dealing with a parasitic thing. She has been all over. She even sent her own stool sample to a veterinarian because no doctor would test her for this parasites. So she sent a stool sample into a veterinarian saying it was her dog. She finally tested paras- positive for this parasite that she knew was causing all their problems that everybody shut down wouldn't treat her wouldn't even even though she had all this evidence the patient knew so much more she could run circles around these doctors and nurses and yep. whatever
2: and they still didn't treat
1: her because they're afraid and not afraid like ego wise whatever because the whole thing will come crashing down if you know more than I do <laughs> I I'm not saying it quite right.
3: What is the fear there from like the perspective of a doctor or a nurse? Like, are you afraid that you're going to lose your job or like what, where, where does that stem from?
1: I I don't know. That's, that's what I'd love to explore more. I think it's multifactorial. I think people are so afraid of getting sued. Right. You know, like if I am made to that.
3: prescribe like too many rounds of chemo, that's what I don't understand. I'm like, that killed I, my girlfriends. She uh, was overtreated, you know? So I
2: think, I think some of it is, I, I mean, I'm skeptical too, Leanne. And I have to say, I think there is a, a, a business agenda and especially in the world of cancer. You know, I mean, I, I've seen it a million times in my own, you know, my own experience, but also with clients that I've advocated for. I just think it's, it's business. And, and, you know, I mean, some of these cancer centers, I don't know which cancer center you went to, but cancer mill, I am patient number seven twenty four, And I mean, I love my physician, but I cannot stand the office that he works for, Mm -hmm. you know? And the only reason I stayed is because I trust and love him, but it's, it's a mill. Totally. So it's a business, right? And that, so I think that's, I think it is driven by that. And I
1: think it's going to take, People like you two are free thinkers and have been through this thing. And so like, just, just recapping quick. So, uh, cause I want to hear about your book and, and what you're doing now to shine a light on this stuff. Cause we could sit here and bitch the whole rest of the time, but I'd like to do the problem solution thing. Right? No, but, but
2: Really quickly. I just have to say, I think it's really poignant, Leanne that you're sharing kind of this side of it because I see a lot of, a lot of stuff out there on social media about how great the cancer center was, how wonderful the nurses are, how I was just so well taken care of. And maybe that's not always the reality. And so I actually really appreciate that you are full on just saying how it was for you, because I don't hear that very often in, yeah. in, you know, in postings or wherever you just hear like, oh, breast cancer, it's breast cancer awareness. And yeah, because,
1: do. because their definition of fine <laughs> was dictated to them. Right. Totally. Well, and that's yeah.
2: like, you know, kind of,
1: we'll
3: we'll come back here in a second, but like that's how I felt when I was even diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm like the narrative for me is already there. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be like soft and feminine and pink and like we go on walks and we raise money for like <laughs> Susan Coleman. Like it's fine. <laughs> and I was like fuck that. Like no. I look like shit and I feel like shit and there's nothing pink of about- I hate pink. I hate pink. You know, I'm it's just like this is just what's been forced to me to like Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to believe that and like walk on that little road Uh uh-uh no no
1: yeah oh you demanded I demand better for my life not your definition of fine mine yeah
2: yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. and
1: either you're on board and holding my hand trying to find my fine or you can fuck off and I'll find (laughs) exactly and I'll find somebody I'll find somebody who will that's (laughs) right exactly
2: and that's another thing I think patients don't know is that they can say, fuck you, I'm out of here,
1: right? Actually, that should be step one. Right. Remember Antra and your, Entra, so our first podcast when we started this was, we interviewed each other. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> right, But Antra had just been through a thing and we were kind of defining, okay, when you're facing a new diagnosis, especially a cancer di- diagnosis, what's the first thing you do? And the first thing was assemble your team. Uh-uh. It's Define your fine. Yeah, I just saw that because you're going to assemble your team based on people who will support you in finding your fine.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's great, Leanne. We
1: just that's totally made up right here, live, Leanne. You inspired it.
3: Well, that just gave me the chills because it's so true. Like, had I had I come at my diagnosis from that angle, I probably would have had a completely different experience. So, I do think that that's like that's true North. That's so Mm -hmm.
2: spot on. Yeah. I love that too. What
3: if that was like a whole
1: new cancer treatment paradigm that started with people who can help an individual, because if you're, you know, you've lived a pretty sedentary lifestyle and you're 65 and your kids are grown and you're fine is going to be different than a 65 year old who runs Ironmans and their definition of fine is going to be different. It has nothing to do with age. It's what, You know, so Mm
2: -hmm.
1: tailoring cancer treatment, whether it's curative or palliative or, you know, whatever, according to your fine, then you Mm -hmm. assemble the team.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, I think Uh, that's brilliant. Let's start something. Okay. (laughs) Talk to you after the show. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) Seriously, though, because I think, you know, for in my own experience, it's true. It's like, "Mm, yeah, you say you can do all this stuff to me. And yeah, no, you're not doing that. You're not doing that. And you're not doing that because that is not fine. Mm -hmm. for me right like that's
1: so true yeah so often these arcs you know you go through an experience there's like um the dark night of the soul you know uh the forest is darkest where the night goes in like the knight in shining armor kind of thing so you're changed and then your life looks different after your change for you and then what i see is your difference starts changing other people and other things in the world. So we've heard what changed you or what was different for you or how your life has looked different. And you're still, it's still changing. You know, you're still finding your way, but I see with what you post on social media and how you took the best parts of you before cancer into this change, your strength, your (laughs) Ballsiness, yeah your spark you know all that stuff um how are you currently and how do you see the trajectory of you leanne in the world and how it's going to change things or what do you want to do actually you can start start anywhere i want to hear about um your book and what you're doing now and you know what you're doing for yourself and
3: (laughs) so yeah i wrote a book um please don't send me flowers. Please don't send me flowers. And literally please don't ever send me flowers. Um, (laughs) why did you,
1: why did you name it that?
3: I just like can't with the sympathy and (laughs) I I just don't do well with it. And I think, you know, I've never loved flowers, but I had all these moments during treatment where I was just staring at flowers and watching them die. And I'm like, is this a picture of my life? Like, (laughs) how depressing and then they would die and the base would get all goopy and I'm like well now I have to clean that up but I can barely stand up so <laughs> flowers suck um so oh, funny. just a large disdain for flowers they're beautiful when they're in the ground but don't send them to me um yeah and the book was it was like
1: wait I just want a moment with that <laughs> I,
3: love, I love that um the book was very therapeutic for me. I had a lot to say. I don't do therapy well. Um, So that was kind of my like release, but it was more kind of to help people know that like, they're not alone. And then it doesn't have to be a certain way because when I was diagnosed, I was sent a book that was written by a young woman and I read it and I was like, this is bullshit and I wasn't even through treatment yet. And I was like, this is such a like pink washed brainwashed account of like what this is supposed to be like. And I know it's not going to be like this. And I know that like, even the women that have their pink bow on their lipstick don't actually feel this way.
1: So did they use in the book, did the word journey, was it used a lot,
3: a lot. So it, 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 it was called the journey. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so I was like, you know, and that was my whole thing about going through treatment like posting about it was like, I, I kind of want to make people uncomfortable because if this happens to you, you won't be so like blindsided or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to know what it's really like. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be so dark. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. I wanted to normalize it a little bit because here I am a 33 year old woman whose thought was like healthy as shit. Otherwise, right. That's getting sick. So yeah, it can happen to you, but be like, let's talk about what this actually is and how to treat people because people were sending me flowers and coloring books and like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'm here. I, I just deal with this thing. Um, it totally fucking sucks, but you know, and a lot of people didn't know how to deal with it either. So you mm-hmm. lose people, you gain people. And, mm-hmm. um, that's always going to happen whether this book is out there or not, but the response has been incredible. Um, just like, holy shit, the, the women going through treatment, they're like, yes, 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 yes. The women, (laughs) um, and, and partners that have read this book, they're like, yes, 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 yes. Cause, um, nobody knew, nobody knows, like nobody talks openly about this stuff. So, Leanne posted,
2: Leanne posted on Instagram. I remember you were midway through your chemo. You were bald and you were, you did a live, I think, or a reel or whatever. And your nose was just dripping down your face. And you were like, (laughs) I mean, it was so raw. And so like, this is where I am right now. My nose. And like, you could see the snot just dripping down her face as she was talking. Like there were no, you did not hold back. And I thought it was so cool because- like that's the reality, right? Yeah. That's not fine. And you don't feel good.
3: No. And I'm like, was- are you telling me that like. Here, let me thesis, blow my like, nose like, with your pink no. ribbon. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <sure>. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, the book, like it was awesome to write it. It's really fun to like still receive mes- messages about it and just know that it it's kind of living and having an impact. And it's also taken some of the pressure off me to be everybody's like cancer friend. Um, because what happens when you get diagnosed is now you're a point person for everybody. Like that knows somebody. Work, yeah. don't they? <laughs> I mean, I still get like probably four messages a week. Oh my God, my sister-in-law just got diagnosed or my friend from high school. Can I connect you? And I'm like, no, yeah, no, no, you can't. Um, I need you to send them the book and I need you to tell them to find somebody that's going through treatment at the same time as them. But I, I mentally can't be like, I can't stay there. Um, so the book has been really helpful in that, like here, this actually will help you. This is what I can offer you. It's not that I don't want to be there for you, but like, I don't have time to be everybody's support system. Um, and it just takes me to a place where I don't want to go. So,
2: yeah.
3: Yeah. So now, you know, the book is living and breathing and selling and that's great. And then I'm doing a lot of life coaching, which is really fun and still teaching. And doing people's hair, which is weird because I don't give a fuck about hair. I'm like, lost it. <laughs> Doesn't matter. But I do mean,
1: does that is that like another thing you do? I'm yeah. a yeah. All right, all right. yeah. 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 <laughs>
3: yeah. It's it's so funny. I didn't think I'd go back after chemo, but I'm like such a creative. But I'm like, you know, people come in and complain about their grays. And I'm like, do you know how lucky you are to have gray hair? Like <laughs> 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 sorry, that's annoying, but like just saying. <laughs> See, I don't have any because I got all
2: covered up with color. Yep. And then like to
3: each their own. And now every time I see a gray hair, I'm like, hello,
2: beautiful. Welcome to my head. <laughs> How often are you teaching at burn cycle?
3: Just twice a week right now. It's such a dumbed down schedule because of COVID. So, wow. which is fine. I'm like, I'm getting older and two times feels great
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> rather than 11.
2: So. Don't you walk out of there just feeling like you own it? Like, you're such an amazing (laughs)
3: instructor. After, like, (laughs) like everything my body's been through and just being older than I used to be, you walk out of there feeling that, like, that, and the next day you're like, why am I so tired? (laughs)
2: All right, go back to your,
1: um, when the body says no, I, the, I was doing a lot of, um, rabbit, going down rabbit holes of radical remission and things that actually, like, the emotional cancer as a symptom, fear is the disease. Mm. Um, And so many people, I think after something like you've been through, feel that like, it's not who I truly am or what I truly want. It's what the world now says I ought to do. And they may be a contributing factor, of them getting cancer or any diagnosis is that constant friction of being out of integrity with yourself. This book is just one example of uh, chronic illnesses and things and people who actually their bodies react to them saying no to themselves all the time in the form of disease. And so many people have cancer and they don't, they don't embrace that. Yeah. I don't care if I end up alone as long as I have myself in integrity with myself, even if that says no, when I mean no. And I love that you just, because what you just said gave so many people to permission to do the same, you know, and it's such a, yeah. an important part of healing the body. If you have that constant, it's called, you know, cognitive dissonance, that constant friction in your nervous system between what you really want and your guilt and your obligation and putting everyone you must sacrifice and whatever that friction, I don't care, you know, what the reason is you're saying no to yourself that is not good for you. Yeah. I mean, and they go right I back. Truly, into
3: it. I, I, I think everyone that gets diagnosed with cancer tries to figure out why, like where it went wrong, what happened, mm. what chemical did they ingest? Right. And what I've boiled it down to was stress in my life. And whether that's mm. true or not, I might not ever know. Um, maybe I will, if I live a stress free life and never have recurrence. I don't know, but, um, it's been such a huge lesson for me in boundaries because for the 10 years pre-diagnosis, I was in like fight or flight, just stress, 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 um, saying no to myself constantly shutting myself down. And now I'm like, I know my limits. I know my boundaries. I know what I want, what I don't want. And it's nothing that anyone needs to take personally. It's for my health. Yeah. So And here's a book.
1: I wrote this for myself. I wrote this for myself (laughs) and you can have it too. This is my boundary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
3: I mean, everything that I would say to somebody, if they wanted to connect is in that. Yeah. So, um, you know, and if you need accountability, I always say the best accountability I ever had was making a friend that was like going through my exact same treatment plan at the exact same time. She's one of my best friends to this day, but she gets, she got it. You know, even now, if somebody reached out to me and they had my same treatment plan, I'm like, I'm three years out. A, it's probably changed a little bit and B, like mentally, I'm not there. Yeah. All I can say is I'm really sorry. Like that
2: fucking blows. Yeah. So Amazing journey. So what's next? Journey. Journey. Yep. Journey. Well, hey, we need to come up with another word, Karen. We have to, I can't stand that No, I mean, that just word. now you have
1: to keep saying journey because we'll like,
2: you call you'll it just start friend? laughing inside. <laughs> like I tried. just like a
3: journey sounds so fun and like fluffy and cute I, know. Um, I
1: started an email out uh, a general email actually you'll probably be receiving it because we, we just great. started this email sequence for people we invite and then you know thank you and the invitation the first one I put dear one and then no. in parentheses gag hashtag <laughs> spiritual when I put spiritual stevia
3: <laughs> oh my god yeah I mean I can't with the fluff it sucks um it doesn't next? if it's
1: genuine. Like, you know, yeah, if a mother still, says to her child, Oh my little," you know, but
3: it's like, like one, someone you calls you me? honey, or like <laughs> if someone calls you honey and they're like younger than you, you're like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> don't call me honey. Don't call me sweetie.
2: <laughs> they're Ugh. younger than you. I just told my daddy was spry and adorable. He's like, Don't you fucking say that to
3: me. Like, what if I came on this call and I called you guys sweetie? <laughs> It'd be weird. I'm not gonna do it. Thanks, sweetie. Yeah. Yeah, honey.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It would be weird. It'd
3: be weird.
1: I'd be a little weird. Yeah. No, totally. instead, I think the first word you said was fuck. <laughs> yeah. That's, you're like, you you're know.
2: in the right place. <laughs> yeah. I think we've got the F bomb on this show more than anyone we've done before. Yeah. So I love
1: it. She I mean, brings it out. She even made God. me start saying F this.
2: I, I said F. It feels
1: good. I mean it feels
3: good. <laughs> it does. It's appropriate. Um it's genuine. Okay. What's next? I, I don't know. I don't know. I am, we are trying to travel. I'm just trying to be really present. Like I don't care about things as much anymore. I just like want to live a good life. So just working and trying to figure out how to work less, feel good, see the world, hang out with my kids. Yeah. Let, I think that's a book breathe. Yeah,
2: That's a prescription. All right. I keep saying that to myself too. Like I just want to live my life. Like I'm yeah. tired of looking for doctors and ugh, like taking yeah. supplements. <laughs> like, uh,
3: so so like, many supplements. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. never be able to not take supplements since I'm married to someone in Ch- Chinese medicine though. It's like, good morning, <laughs> honey. Open your mouth. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's her love language. So I just have to accept it. Well, that's that's a Well, good as long as I you use it.
1: your intuition too. I mean, I, I love yeah. to say, if only I could get back all the years I spent trying to extend my life yeah right yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) exactly just stressed out about how how long i was gonna live and how well i was gonna live during those years and if i just stopped thinking about all that stuff (laughs) like i would have enjoyed those years so much more can't get a bet now
2: I mean, I think Sorry. that's super true for people who have been through cancer. I mean, honestly, like one of the things, Leanne, I've seen is, and maybe you saw this too, is that like, I think healing comes from such a different place than the supplements that the path has you on or the ozone therapies or the, you know, the chemo, the whatever, like, you know, it's all this busyness and doing, and while some of it might be helpful, like I just, you know, no matter what treatments I go through and do, Um, I don't think that's where the healing comes from. I mean, I think they're, it's definitely a portal or a guide, you know, the Chinese medicine man I saw in Colorado was amazing, but he's not going to cure me. It's that, that's that whole thing of like, nobody's coming and it's all back to like owning it. Right. And, and, and owning your, your health and your healthcare and going into those healthcare systems. And I, I think it would look so different if people went in to healthcare, owning their health. I be, it would be different. What does that 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 mean to you guys?
1: What does owning your health mean to you? You go first, Leanne. I mean, trusting
3: your gut, Mm -hmm. really, truly Mm -hmm. like intuition, um, Mm -hmm. and boundaries for sure.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. I think that it's pretty simple, but you know, had I gone into my treatment with any of those three things, I probably would still have my boobs right now. Like I wouldn't have done it that way. And mm-hmm. I try not to regret things, but I'm like, fuck, that was a hard lesson. And now I'm flat. So, um, I wish more people would walk in with that.
2: Well, and I think Karen and I've talked about this so much It's it, and it kind of brings it right back to the beginning of this conversation is that urgency train and, you know, So maybe there's this like, okay, number one, you get really clear, you get off the urgency training, you get really clear about what your gut is telling you. And then number two, you define what is fine, what's fine, right? And then from there is, you know, the possibilities, right? Natural pathic medicine or, you know, conventional medicine or whatever. Um, I think it's so huge. And I I would say that that is key for me as well, is like, you got owning it is you got to know. And you got to listen.
1: So owning your health means no matter what you do, whether you're taking, seeing a naturopath and taking supplements for Chinese medicine or alternative, alternative therapies in combination with conventional medicine, it's where it comes from. It's you owning everything you put in your mouth. Every time you get in the car and go to a treatment, everything is not somebody, it's not top down. It's not somebody saying, this is what you're going to do. It's you saying, this is what I'm going to do.
2: And it would change the way our healthcare providers treat their patients. Right. I mean, can you imagine if it's fine
1: instead of start with your why. start with your fine, (laughs) start with
2: your fine, define your fine. You know, I mean, because I've had, I've kind of had that experience, you know, I have a very supportive oncologist and you know, he was like, well, I don't really recommend this. And I'm like, I don't care. This is what I'm doing. Right. Like, and it changes the way that they interact with you. Like, so I, I just think you're totally spot on. And I think that's one of the ways I think we change healthcare is yeah. through the patient.
3: Well, and, you know, something else that keeps coming up for me that I say in coaching all the time is like, everybody's right, partially. And if we all came into these situations, like, with that in the forefront of our mind, like, mm-hmm yeah, you're speaking some truth, but I'm speaking some truth too. Mm -hmm. Um, It's such a beautiful way to look at any situation because it Mm -hmm. takes the pressure off. Totally, Mm -hmm.
2: Like everyone is is
3: right. Partially. It doesn't mean, you know, everything. It doesn't mean, you know, everything that's right for me. It doesn't mean I know everything. It doesn't mean that I know everything that's right for me, but Mm -hmm. there's so many more possibilities with that statement.
2: Yep. And we don't teach anybody, we don't teach our patients in conventional care or really even naturopathic care can be just as, you know, screwy in like, this is the answer that we have. Like you're in conventional medicine and you have breast cancer. This is the answer we have. Now, Mm -hmm. like you said, it's partially right, right? It is. It's not totally wrong, but we don't ever extend out what are the possibilities. Beyond what's in our body, yeah.
1: Like what you with you when you had your ovarian cancer, you're like, he wanted to take everything out, and you were like, no, keep that ovary if it looks okay, keep it. I want my Mm -hmm. ovary. And Mm -hmm. their blanket thing is just take it all. Yeah, it's Um, crazy. So for you, same thing with breast cancer.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, The
1: blanket treatment is mastectomy. Take
3: them both. You wouldn't want to get in the other one. Might take them both
1: off. Yeah. And now, Um, what do you now? What have you learned, and what do you know? Because I think. No, so few. You don't hear that anywhere. Anywhere. And you have to look for that information. That, yeah. uh, What is it? Prophylactic mastectomy. People are famous for it. (laughs) Famous, famous. Yeah. um, Famous, famous. So talk about what you've learned about that.
3: Oh, God. That's, yeah. I get like heated, but I don't think I would have done anything except for I would have cut my treatment in half and I would have lived with my chest because I truly feel like this isn't going to happen to me again. Like I feel that in my gut. Um, and if it does, I would, I would deal with it when it happened, but I didn't, you know, they told me that I couldn't even have a lumpectomy. They're like, you'd be really unhappy. It would be super lopsided, whatever. And I'm like, well, so, or, you know, like, why can't we just see, like Mm -hmm. do another biopsy or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I that I I wish I had done it differently. I know now that I didn't have to do that. And I I think I wanted to take both because I wanted them to look the same, but that was pretty traumatic. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So
1: yeah. 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 I, you know, there's people get so paralyzed with indecision. <laughs> Sound <on> that <laughs> Some auntie, mother of all yeah, that's that's the interest <laughs> big like she's well, I don't know, and I'm not gonna wait until I do. Mm-hmm. So you know, stop it. Um, I mean, stop it. (laughs) So they're on this, at this fork in the road and they get paralyzed here and then they start getting afraid. Am I waiting too long? Is there more stuff growing in me? Am I dying? You know, so they just stay here and then they're pushed down one road, Mm -hmm. but they don't see that sometimes you do have to pick a lane, but you don't have to go all the way down the lane. You could step, pick one or two steps down that road and then turn back. You don't have to finish the full regimen of chemo. Mm-hmm. You don't have to finish the whole week. You know, I think that's what people, well, I'm already down this road. I have to finish it. Well, no, you don't. Mm-hmm. You can keep an open mind even going down that road. And I'm not, I'm not saying chemo is bad. I mean, you know, God made pharmaceutical companies too. And there's a dark and a light to, to everything. And some things are right for some people and not for others. But knowing, owning your health and knowing you chose that because you're fully informed and you also are, you know, you can own changing your mind and walk back to the fork and go down the other lane. Yeah.
2: Can you imagine though, how scary that is for patients? Like, I'm sure Leanne, you can, cause I know I can like, oh yeah, I'm going to have this surgery and I get all the way to surgery day. And then I say, oh, hell no. Like even the fear of saying no to the system at that yeah. moment. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, and that shouldn't be an issue ever. Yeah. And it, you know, you do have the right to say no whenever, but it shouldn't even be an issue. It should be but like, you
3: feel like guilty and like, mm-hmm. you feel like shame if you say no, or if you question it, it's like, yep. that's yeah. what was hard for me. Um, you know, cause I'm like, I'm looking at all of these studies with a bunch of people that weren't like me. Like these, these women weren't like me, like they were overweight or they were this or that. Right. So I'm just supposed to believe that all these treatment plans are exactly the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. And
1: we all have the same outcome. Like, I don't, I don't buy that.
3: Um, so nice. but yeah. And yeah. no, doesn't
1: have to be permanent. It could be a no for now.
3: Totally. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think looking back, I wish I would have waited. And the other thing was they didn't make it sound like they were willing to ever give me another scan again. So I'm like, well, shit, how am I going to know? But like, if I had kept my breast and like gotten another scan, I probably would have had some more peace of mind and then I could have moved on and maybe seen my oncologist more than I see her now. Cause now I'm just like, fuck you. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, that would have probably opened up a lot of possibilities for me and a lot of peace of mind. And maybe two years later, I would have been like, you know what, take them off. I am worrying about this more than I wanted to
2: mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. But now I have a little bit of like, what if, Mm-hmm. Oh and yeah, I like I don't like that.
1: Yeah. You know. Um so I want to hear we're coming coming round to the end, but I want to hear like what do you say? So you said you're you you do hair and you love coaching. Yeah. Uh, talk about what you do for like who comes to you um for coaching. What, what's your secret yeah. sauce? You know, yeah. I, um, already, I, I already don't have bad on. badassery. Yeah. <laughs> Number I, one. I love-
3: I like to call myself an empowerment coach but um I coach everybody. I coach an individual. I don't coach a problem. So I have all types of clients like people going through divorce, post treatment has been a big thing, like who am I now? How do I navigate this? Like how do how am I happy? Um relationship issues, just wanting to be better. I mean, that's like when people are feeling stuck in their life, I'm like, I got you. Um So Mm -hmm. it's been really, really fun. And I'm starting to branch on into team coaching, which I'm really excited about. So going in and working with teams, how do we work better together? How can we be better together? Because we're well embracing our individuality. Um, Because I love working with groups and I'm good at it. So.
2: You work it. Tell me, tell me where all that sassy badassery comes from? Because you had that even before you got cancer, my dear. <laughs> <I don't laughs> my <know>. dear, <laughs> I,
3: honey, um, <laughs> sweetie,
1: dear one. I, oh my god, really
3: <laughs> great, sweetie. dear one. Tell us about your
1: journey. Yeah. Of sex. I think
3: that that like all kind of came out when I was going through my divorce and realizing that I had two little girls looking up to me, and I'm like, I can be better. I can be bigger. Like I want to show them what it's all about. So I was like, I'm going to step into my full self here, and then I never look back because it feels good. So.
2: Yes, it does. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I love so much that about you. I, I, you know, I didn't see, you know, or talk too much during all, all of the breast cancer, but I always wondered, like, is that badass? or he still there? Is she still? you know big and smiling and positive cuz you you are of course it's just, oh,
3: filled,
1: the tank. It's just like, filled the tanks fill the sass tanks some more yeah totally.
3: yeah totally i'm like a bionic woman
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you are um so you're taking new clients new teams new whatever how do people get a yep. hold of you
3: um through my website leansaffer.com
1: s a f f e r
3: yep or instagram okay.
1: okay it'll be in the show notes and yep. Uh, I think it's great that people know that what you do, because there's so many people like when they don't have, they're not when they, okay, I don't want to send flowers after this. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. It I don't want to give you a bouquet of my inadequate words, yeah. um, but I can <laughs> give you this number since I don't know what you're going through, but here's somebody who might, I mean, yeah, having someone to point, right? entre like having mm-hmm. yeah. I can go on just being your friend like we always are and not avoid you because I don't know what to say because I can tell you about this person <laughs> you know go talk to that person yeah for sure yeah absolutely are you gonna write another book no you have one in your head
3: no A no 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 or no for now no, no. <laughs> I think I'm done I was like oh I'm gonna be an author and then no I, that was a one, I'm a one hit wonder. <laughs> unless somebody comes at me with like a fresh million that they want to front me with, then I'll do it again.
1: Yeah, but then yeah. a book would suck because you wouldn't be doing it for, you, know,
3: you wouldn't wonders. be scratching your I'm own head. Yeah.
1: <laughs> or yeah. unless yeah, you I, wrote I, the I book so. about why why I'm writing this. Well, I'm writing this book because someone offered me a million dollars. Yeah. And the book is about <laughs> letting you yourself be broad for really the right good. reason.
2: You <laughs>
3: I'm like, listen up, sweetie. This is how it's gonna go.
2: The journey will look like this. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Hilarious. Totally.
2: Thank you for ha- for
1: coming yeah, or, on the show. I'm sorry, I have one more. Oh,
2: okay.
3: <laughs>
1: the sequel should be reasons to send someone flowers, and then just some empty when you hit them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when <you hate> them. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> when you want to give them more to do.
2: I, I love I love that you hate flowers unless they're in their ground because I love flowers. <laughs>
3: send, them, send them your way.
2: I think that's hilarious.
3: <laughs> I love it.
1: Well, uh, anyway,
3: I make a good point though. Yeah. You do, you do. For sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> really appreciate uh, you enduring all the fits and starts of this. Yeah. It was worth the wait.
2: Yes, it was worth the wait. Thank, Thank you for it having It was me. worth
1: the journey to you. <laughs> <laughs> Only off.
2: the only the YouTubers are gonna. Are the people that see the YouTuber gonna get to see that <laughs> facial expression? Yeah. Well, well
1: yeah. They can they can picture it. Leanne, thanks so much. Yep. Thanks, yeah. Thanks, Leanne. Thank you. Guys. we be, I, I can't wait. I already know. Um, I know. Uh, this will be such a a good uh, empathy inducing thing for nurses.
2: I think amazing Great. for nurses. I think it's and so like, uh, so good for people for nurses to hear. The experience of the patient
1: yeah let's let's get yeah. her off and and say goodbye so we can talk about okay. her behind her back okay don't so, hang up yet oh okay
2: what don't hang up yet oh did, were you gonna have her hang up or are you gonna
1: well we're gonna say goodbye to her okay. and be in touch with you later <laughs> yeah yeah bye, thanks bye, <laughs> bye, <Leanne>. bye, bye. <laughs> thank you
2: bye <laughs> you guys That's a wrap. What a great podcast. If you're a nurse, head over to www.rnegade.pro. Follow the prompts, do the activity, fill out the evaluation for the podcast that you just listened to, and get a CE. Could we just make CE by podcast the norm, please? Bye.